0: Hey guys, if you like racist, accused rapists, socialism, murdering babies, and anti-Semites, then you go out there and you vote Democrat because they—they they agree with you. This weekend, more Democrats crawled out of their little wormholes to announce they were running for president. I mean, are they kidding me? You—you you guys, your party is in shambles. Your party is a disaster. It's a mess. And yet the Planned Parenthood scissor sisters, Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, they decided to come out and announce their run for the presidency this weekend. Neither of these two women has a shot in hell. One of them, Elizabeth Warren, is a fake Indian fraudster, and the other, Amy Klobuchar, people have barely even heard of her. She's best known for being asked by Kavanaugh if she's ever gotten blackout drunk, and she never said no. And also, she's known for treating her staff like hot garbage. Klobuchar, which sounds like something you clean your bathtub with, portrays herself as a moderate. Well, what does moderate mean in today's modern Democrat party? That you don't hate Jews? You don't want to make abortion legal after birth? Seriously, in a party that wants to ban airplanes and automobiles, make it illegal for cows to pass gas, and spews anti-Semitic bile like Jew-hating monster Ilhan Omar, what the hell does moderate mean? That party has gone so far to the left, they're not even recognizable, and the moderate ones are bat crap insane too. And welcome to the White House Brief. I am your most humble correspondent, John Miller. Today on the program, we've got a writer from The Blaze responding to my call to end Black History Month. I think it's a silly observance. Don't think we need it. Because if we have a Black History Month, We need to give a white history month as well, and I suspect that would create all sorts of problems for people who celebrate black history. So instead, just get rid of all the history months and celebrate American history. Aaron Cullen of The Blaze thinks I'm totally wrong on that, so we will debate that. And that is, of course, what we do here at The Blaze TV Network. That's what we're all about. We do not shy away from discussing hot-button issues amongst our own ranks because we always want the best ideas to win, and those are, of course, mine. Remember... You can now get the White House brief as a podcast. If you don't have time to watch it, you can always listen on the go. It's available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure to subscribe, rate it, review it, so it stands out amongst all of the other hot garbage in that store. All right, the abysmal state of the Democrat Party. Now, don't get me wrong. They are mobilized. They are energized. But around what exactly? Socialism, right? Socialism is something that's really getting them going. And sadly, it's hardly the worst of them. So we'll get to the really bad ones in a sec, but first, first let's take a look at the socialist load of crap they're pushing, the Green New Deal. Climate change and our environmental challenges are the, one of the biggest existential threats to our way of life. Not, at, not just as a nation, but as a world. And in order for us to combat that threat, We must be as ambitious and innovative in our solution as possible. Sounding like the good globalist that she is. Oh, it's just not our problem for our nation. It's the world's problem. And in order to combat that threat, we need to spend trillions and trillions of dollars to completely transform the world order. And we're gonna start with things that have nothing to do with the environment because that's not really what this is about. This is about taking control of your life. This is a socialist wish list. First, we're gonna promise everyone a job, we're gonna promise everyone healthcare, healthy food, and then we're going to force everyone to take a train or your bike or a scooter to work doesn't matter if you work 20 miles away and you're 70 years old you are not driving that's bad for the environment they want to and i quote totally overhaul transportation by massively expanding electric vehicle manufacturing build charging stations almost everywhere build out high-speed rail at a massive scale where air travel stops becoming necessary Create affordable public transit available to all with the goal to replace every combustion engine vehicle. You know what a combustion engine vehicle is? It's a car. So if you've got a car or you've got a truck, or you know your Honda, your Toyota, too bad, can't have it anymore. And if you can't afford a Tesla, an electric car sucks to be you. As you've probably heard, they're going to try to get rid of cow farts. This is a literal quote from the bill's outline. We set a goal to get net zero rather than zero emissions in 10 years. Net zero, not zero, because we aren't sure that we'll be able to fully get rid of farting cows and airplanes that fast. Not not that fast, but eventually, eventually they will. It's just not, not that fast, not in 10 years, which is the timeline they've set for all this other stuff. Why the hell are they doing this? They know President Trump isn't going to sign this. <laughs> Donald Trump's not going to sign the Green New Deal. So why even bother? It's not realistic. It's not reasonable. Hell, it's not even well-written. It's written like a kindergartner got a hold of some crayons and said, Mommy, Mommy, wouldn't this all be great if we banned cowfoot?" It doesn't have to be perfect for these people because it's not a real piece of legislation. It is an act. It is a signal to their base. It tells them, hey, if you're as radical as we are and you want to change the country away from how it was founded, come with us. You come, you join us, because we are as radical as you. They want to rebrand the Democrat Party, and this ridiculous piece of unserious legislation is their vehicle to do it. It's obviously never going to pass, and it's not intended to. That's what you need to know. And speaking of signaling, what exactly is Ilan Omar trying to tell her followers? Because she's out there spewing anti Semitic bile that she thinks, I don't know, won't get noticed. I mean, this is a woman who changed the nearly 200-year-old rule about head covering so she could could wear her gear in Congress. Up until now, by the way, was considered very indecorous. So she, if anyone, should understand how it feels to be called out for your religion. But for her, religious tolerance obviously only goes one way. When Glenn Greenwald accused Senate Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy of targeting Congresswomen Omar and Talib, Talib, who knows how to pronounce her name, for their criticisms of Israel, Omar implied, oh, they're doing the work of a secret Jewish cabal that only cares about money, which is, everyone knows, an age-old Jewish stereotype. She tweeted, It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Quoting a song from the 90s by rap artist Puff Daddy or P. Diddy or Doodly Doodah Squat, whatever his name is, whatever it was then at least, really showing the depths of her literary knowledge with that one. She then doubled down, doubled down. And when she was accused of using an anti-Semitic trope, she didn't even blink. She didn't respond to it. Instead, she just confidently declared she thinks politicians are being paid by APEC, which is the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee. She, they're paying them to be pro-Israel. You know who you'd fit really great in, Omar? You'd fit in real great with the white supremacists. This, this, of course, your huge government proclivities make you guys a perfect match. After all, Hitler did have an alliance with the Islamic extremists, so it's not all that far-fetched. You guys all share the same anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jews using their wealth to control the world's governments. And don't tell me it's just Ilon Omar, by the way, because we've got plenty of examples, including her pal Rashid M MFR Tlaib who has also said anti-Semitic things in the past, including Washington politicians of having a dual loyalty to Israel. And it would appear she also wrote an op-ed for our pal Louis Farrakhan. Yeah, Jews are termites, Hitler was a great man. I mean, I, I don't see how that could be construed as anti-Semitic, do you? The racism doesn't just go towards Jews, by the way. They've told us that blackface is racist. Remember, Megyn Kelly, she got fired for just talking about blackface. And yet it seems like they love it. They, they, they've all worn it. It seems like in Virginia, it's actually a requirement to be in the Virginia government at some point having worn blackface. And the Democrats in the past, they ate it up. They adored it. Look at Whoopi. Isn't that the funniest thing ever? They think blackface is hilarious. Joy Bef- Behar, Beha, she even gave it a try. They absolutely think it's the best thing ever. They love it, but not as much as they, of course, love killing their children. Love killing babies if you're a Democrat. If you believe in killing babies outside the womb, if you think that is a-okay, the Democrat Party might be for you. If you believe judging people by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character, if you believe that is okay, the Democrat Party might be just the party for you. Because multiple women have come out and now accused the lieutenant governor, Virginia, of rape. We, of course, here won't jump to any conclusions about that. But the Democrats, they don't exactly have a problem with sexual assault predators when they're Democrats, at least. Galloping socialism, rape, racism, anti-Semitism. This is the modern Democrat Party. And right now, all of this stuff we showed you is the closest thing they have as a platform. So... Where are Liz Warren, Amy Klobuchar, and the other candidates who have announced that they're running? When and how far are they going to distance themselves from all this mess, all of this horrible stuff? Or are they going to distance themselves at all? Do they have to join this radical agenda to now appeal to the modern Democrat voter? Certainly looks like they're ready to embrace this radicalism. It's the only way to win if you're a Democrat. Five Democrats running for president have announced they are on board with the Green New Deal. Doesn't bode well for the rest of the country, for us, for you and me. But what the Democrats are attempting is nothing short of a hostile takeover of the republic, and we must do everything in our power to stop it. Otherwise, we lose our country, and we lose it fast. And that effort starts by exposing it, and that's what we're doing here. And moving on from the unhinged Democrats, we discuss what I consider to be a useless observance known as Black History Month. And I wrote a piece at The Blaze titled, It's Time to End Black History Month. And in it, I argue that Black History Month really does nothing except for allowing pan-African sock-wearing liberals with, you know, dreadlocks, blonde dreadlocks, to feel woke for a month until we, you know, move on to the next group facing imaginary marginalization, women. Women's Month in March. And then we celebrate Women's History Month and forget about Black History Month. And I really have to wonder, do these exercises in assigning groups their own months, really do anything to unite us as Americans. And I think out of all people, Morgan Freeman summed it up best in his interview when he said this, watch.
1: Black History Month, you find? Ridiculous. Why?
0: You're gonna relegate my history to a month? Oh, come on. What do you do with yours? Which month is White History Month? (laughs) Well, Well, come on, tell me. Well, I'm Jewish. Okay. Which month is Jewish History Month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. You want one? No, no. No, I, 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 I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black history is American history. Staff writer for The Blaze, Aaron Colon, disagrees with Morgan Freeman and me. He writes in this piece that he wrote a rebuttal on The Blaze as well. Black History Month doesn't pit races against one another. It simply points to the history as it happens. Aaron is here with me now to explain why I'm wrong. Aaron, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you for having me, I appreciate it.
0: So, you say history as it happened. In my judgment, history doesn't happen one way for black people, another way for white people, another way for Hispanic people. And what you're starting to see is there's even more marginalized groups because, you know, the transgender uh, Latino people are saying, well, they don't they don't represent us because we're transgender and there's an O at the end of our name. And my fear is that you're going to get all of these different groups claiming their own months and it's going to divide us further as Americans. I have to wonder at what point do we say, you know what? we all share the same history as americans and we all can enjoy the same stories and the same heroes we don't have to separate it black versus white hispanic what have you what say you
1: i say that i don't think that these individual celebrations have to be divisive i don't think that we're saying that uh black history month is in opposition to white history month or women's history month or whatever i think it's all american history uh, but at the same time, we can emphasize different aspects of that history uh, and celebrate aspects of it that maybe don't get as much attention throughout the rest of the year. And now Morgan Freeman, he made the point where he didn't want his history relegated to one month. But I don't view it as a relegation. I view it as just a lifting up of that history, an emphasis on something that gives a little bit more attention to important figures that also contributed to American history that maybe get skipped over a little bit in the public school system.
0: But don't you think, for instance, if whites were to say, well, we, we want... April to be White History Month. Uh, It would definitely be seen as divisive, particularly among minority communities?
1: Yes, that would definitely be seen as divisive, but I think at the same time, that doesn't mean it would have to be. Now, I understand because of the tensions in the history of race relations in our country, White History Month would probably be seen as racist by some people, but I don't think that, again, I don't think that it would have to be unless you're celebrating it in a way that degrades other races, and I don't think Black History Month is degrading white people, I don't think it's attacking any other race, I think it's saying look at this history we have, this rich history, um, this journey that we've taken over the years, let's point to this, let's celebrate how far we've come and where we are today, because that's a part of the American story.
0: And I understand there is an argument to be made that says because blacks have had such a troubled history throughout our nation's history and because, you know, blacks for so long have been oppressed that it does make sense to have a month to hold them up. Uh, I just wonder how long we're going to do that for. I mean, now, you know, over the last uh, probably half century, the black middle class has been exploding. We have blacks in prominent positions in every industry. And we had a black president. And you look at the Forbes list. I mean, so many people at the top, especially the celebrity Forbes list, are all black. And I have to wonder, when do we get to the point where we stop saying we're oppressed, we stop calling racism, we stop saying we have to be treated a certain way because we have been oppressed throughout American history?
1: Well, I mean, as you say, um, African Americans have made a lot of progress in equality. There's plenty of success for middle class, um, upper class black people in this country. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that we're saying that we're celebrating Black History Month because we're oppressed. I think it's just a history that exists, and I think in your piece you even made the point that there's a lot of ignorance about uh, black history beyond just the Martin Luther Kings, the Malcolm Xs, the Booker T. Washingtons, the people that get mentioned a lot in you know your typical history class. There's a lot of ignorance about black history and some of the people who contributed to this nation, and so as long as there's that deficiency as long as we feel like we can do more to promote black history I think it's fine to keep doing that not to say oh wow, black people are just all oppressed I don't think we're saying that we're oppressed I think it's a celebration of again how far african-americans have come how much we've accomplished and that goes from the top to the celebrities that you mentioned on the Forbes list uh... to the middle-class people to you know the whole spectrum of african americans i think that can be celebrated as again a look back to where they've been and a look forward to where we are now and uh... where we're looking to go forward
0: carter g woodson who was the guy who started negro history week which then evolved into black history month he even he said he wanted to make it and you brought this up He even he said he wants Mm -hmm. to make it Black History Year, because black history should be celebrated, you know, and be integrated with American history throughout the entire year. Uh, So at what point do you think we get to the point where we're no longer just assigning a month to it, but Black History Month can actually be Black History Year because it's integrated with all history?
1: I guess the question I would ask in response to that is, do you think that if we eliminate Black History Month, does that suddenly make Um, a celebration or an emphasis on black history expand to the entire year or does that just take away the point where we emphasize that history and then it doesn't get picked up to the point where it spreads throughout the whole year and it becomes just an integral part of American history. And I guess my stance on it is that I think that if we eliminate Black History Month that doesn't suddenly elevate it to we celebrate black history in the appropriate way all year, I think it just takes away one emphasis where I think a lot of people, that's the only time they're exposed to some of these historical figures that contributed so much to the nation, is during February, and it's not ideal. It's not ideal that we have to have a month to emphasize a history that should be seen on equal footing with any other part of American history, Uh, but at the same time, I don't think just cutting that month out is gonna solve the problem and suddenly increase our appreciation of black history as a nation as a whole.
0: But I quickly want to get your take on this. What do you make of all of the blackface controversies? Do you think that it is offensive and that people should be condemned for the rest of their career for being in blackface, especially when you see Hollywood celebrities laughing and wearing it? Or do you think it's something at which we should take lightly? How do you see the blackface controversies that are happening right now?
1: I think when it comes to elected officials and people who are responsible for making the decisions and representing citizens of a variety of races. Um, I think when you have something like that in the past, it really undermines their ability to build trust with the community. If there's a subset of people that see that you've taken this picture that's racist and you thought that it was a joke, um, and those people can't trust you to have their best interests in mind, well, again, as an elected official, I think that that disqualifies you in a way from being able to serve those people. And so while I don't like the idea that people have to be punished for the mistakes of their past 30 years back forever, I think we need leaders who don't have those kinds of stains on their past. We need leaders who can be looked at and seen as fair, um, seen as people who care about minority communities and don't think that there was something to be mocked.
0: All right, Aaron and everyone, thank you so much, Aaron.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: All right, that's today's show. Remember, you can download the White House Brief now as a podcast. You can find it on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate it, review it, and then uh, make sure it it rises to the top because we want it to be at the top of the list so that people can see it above all of the other junk that's on iTunes. White House Brief podcast. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys, John Miller here, host of the White House Brief and White House correspondent for Blaze TV. We're doing a podcast of the show where we cover this administration in a way you're not going to get anywhere else. Most of the people who cover this stuff don't actually care about or even like you at all. The things I hear in the White House press briefing room would literally shock you. They don't think you're worthy of their time. They think Trump's base is too stupid to understand anything complex. True story. I've heard it myself. You don't need your news from them when they don't even want to reach you. They are clueless, out of touch and operate in a bubble, and we are going to shatter that bubble and change the way the news is done in this town. If you're in, subscribe now and tune in to the White House Brief Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to see you there.